0: this is why i hate social media though these days like i really have zero patience for it anymore but it's even the body positivity stuff you're still drawing attention to the body and it shouldn't be about the body it should not like post an accomplishment post something like something that you did
1: here we are i'll let uh let you give the introductions blair since you know Tony best and I'm right. trying not to look at my microphone the whole time
2: <laughs> so um, welcome to how what episode are we on six something um, seven? Seven, five, six, I don't know it's and still another digits, yeah so. another episode of, <laughs> of the uh, human element nutrition podcast or the human element podcast um,
1: where we, so we keep have, track of everything
2: clearly. yeah tracking is our specialty <laughs> um, so we uh, we have another guest episode and this is a pretty exciting episode um, because I think we're gonna have some really uh, different points of view on this topic so um, today we're talking about body image and body image issues um, so we have Tony Pipes, who is actually a engineer, an engineer um, for a company called Striker. But she grew up a dancer and was very involved in, in you know, sorts of um, activity and athletics that had image issues towards being thin and light. Whereas a lot of people, myself included, and and you know, people of Uh, you know, our, our current obesity epidemic have body image issues of being overweight, you know, so I think there's going to be some very uh, interesting discussion to go on here and it's going to be nice to hear, um, you know, a totally different take on the whole body image topic. So Tony, say hello, tell anybody what you want about yourself.
0: Hi, I'm Tony pipes. Um, Like Blair said, I, I, have an engineering background. I currently work for Stryker. Um, I actually am the quality manager for a couple of sites now on the manufacturing side. Uh, for those of you that don't know Stryker, we do medical devices, so very highly regulated industry. Yes, I'm a closet nerd. Um,
2: it's not closet. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly not if you're yeah. an engineer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Um, I've been in the Tampa area for five and a half years now. Um, I'm from all over the place. I was born in Washington state, grew up there for 10 years, lived in Montana of all places for a few years after that. And then I always say when people ask me where I'm from, I always say California, because I grew up there in high school, uh, finished out high school in North San Diego County. Um, and then I went to good old Cal Poly San Luis Obispo where I got my undergrad and graduate degrees in biomedical engineering. Um, So that's a little bit about me.
1: Nice. I do want to, um, before we get into the thick of this episode, I want to bring up, I have, there was something I stated, I think it was on the episode with Dr. Foley that turns out to be wrong. I don't know if you remember Blair when I said, well, when I said that kittens were better than puppies Mm -hmm. because we had just gotten cats, they are demons. They are yeah. absolute demons. They
2: are opening that drawers. a known fact? <laughs> it's stated yeah. here as a known fact. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you cleared that up for everyone who already knew that
1: cats are terrible. <laughs> I mean, going through drawers, throwing things out of cabinets, like, it's just, nope, cats are not better than dogs.
2: The evidence proves otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dogs, like, poop in the house when they're puppies for, like, I mean, depending on how good of an owner you are and training them, like weeks, maybe a month, and then they're just done with that. Like, then uh, their whole life is just like being obsessed with you. Uh, where that cats, you never get to that point. Like, no. you, yeah, it's how that's can you They're very serve the cat?
0: indifferent. They would eat your dead body if they could.
2: So. Yeah, that's, that's a fact. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, love, in- we're starting this podcast off right, talking about eating dead bodies. <laughs>
1: Hey, look, it's everything's about body acceptance. So even accepting dead bodies. But um, yeah, so a little bit of uh, transparency for anybody listening or watching. We don't have notes for this one. So we're just going to kind of go off the cuff, really focus on dancing, how like sports and everything. And actually, we don't know what we're going to focus on Who
0: knows? <laughs> we're just <Yeah>. gonna talk
1: <laughs> ad lib episode number one yeah so there might be a lot of dead air
0: yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um yeah we can go straight into the dancing aspect tony um kind of everybody really views dancers and performers you always see they're always really really skinny and is that clearly it's not something that comes naturally for a lot of people so how much pressure is there to stay skinny hit a certain weight anything like that
0: um i will say like back when i was a dancer um so i started dancing when i was like 5 years old i did it for 11 years so my last year was when i was 16 and my focus was on ballet for whatever reason but back then ballet was one of those things like there's a clear-cut profession for you to go into as a professional dancer nowadays when you have shows like so you think you can dance and like these mainstream things like all these other styles are coming to be as kind of like the new focus for dance so I would say it really depends on the style because like hip-hop you know a girl a little bit of a heavier person can get away with that because they're not being lifted into these crazy positions by some guy who's also not that big himself um so a lot of like from the ballet aspect a lot of it comes out of necessity of like the types of movements and things that they do um so unfortunately like when i when i was younger i had aspirations to be you know, like professional ballet dancer, and that's really what i honed in on um i did all kinds of types of dance so i did jazz tap hip-hop ballet clogging even (laughs) for a couple years yeah um but for whatever reason it was just like you know ballet seemed to be like that thing that everyone still respected the most out of those genres um if i had had a mentor back then that also talked about how body image or like bodies weren't the end all be all the physical aspect of them I think I would have been a lot better off but no one really talked to me about that so then when I was obsessing about ballet that's exactly what you see New York City ballet um all those dancers are small they're not very tall I'm 5'8 so like right off the bat that's an anomaly for a dancer Mm -hmm. um interesting the like they're just stick skinny as well um so that was a little bit hard to overcome at the time. These days, I think that when you watch those shows that I mentioned, like, so you Thinking you dance, world of dance, I think you see a lot of uh, different kinds of body types, but I also think that's reflective more of, I think that those body types are more accepted in society in general these days. Like when you look at models and like the celebrities that we kind of fawn over, they're not just the sick skinny models anymore. You know what I mean? So I think that uh, what's popular in popular culture also is reflected in, in dance in the mainstream. Um, so, you know, starting with dance, I also don't want to say it was just dance that caused it because when I moved from dance into sports, so like when I was 16, when I ended dance, I went into volleyball. because so I was like, oh, I can like get a volleyball scholarship and get some college paid for, you know, that was kind of the route I took. That didn't end up happening, but still, it was really fun. I love, <laughs> I love volleyball. It was great. But that's also how I got into, like, CrossFit. My sister was a CrossFit trainer, and so she worked with me a lot on um, the off-season for volleyball with, like, CrossFit training, but also, like, Olympi- Olympic lift, power lift, things like that. Uh, when I was a dancer, I was totally afraid to even lift weights because I thought that muscle was, or if I gained any muscle, I'd get bigger, which was not the case. And so even with CrossFit, though, it was like a different kind of body image issue from there, right? It was like I was obsessed with working out to the point where if I missed one day a week, I was going crazy. Yeah. Um, And it was all purely aesthetically driven as well. It wasn't really about the performance at the time. So then I know, Blair, we've talked about this before. Like in college around that time, I started experimenting with laxatives and – you know, I always did these fad diets with my sister. We, I've done paleo, I've done zone, I've done all these different kinds of things. And at the end of the day, they were all very restrictive. And so we would do like the classic cheat day and binge on the weekend. And then I'd be like, oh, I hate myself when we take a laxative. So, and even then my roommates as well, like when we'd go out drinking, we knew we'd be consuming calories. So we only ate a banana that day and we went to the gym for three hours to make sure that we wouldn't gain an ounce when we wanted to go out and drink that. So was, there was a lot of things that factored into it, and it kind of evolved over time. When you look at that, like dance and CrossFit and volleyball, all those things are vastly different. And so it really, really does all boil down to my family and me growing up, there was not a healthy relationship with food at all. My mom has always been overweight her whole life. Um, so I saw her struggle when her relationship with food, my dad was a narcissist. He actually hated fat people. So I was desperately afraid of gaining weight. He actually didn't touch my mom for a whole year because she was too fat. So it's like, I think those factors and the things that you grew up with, those are going to greatly influence. Like that's the foundation you're setting. And so then when you get into these things like dance, where it is very concentrated on body, it just multiplies and it it makes it way worse you know
2: yeah um so earlier you said that like hip-hop or certain dance lends itself to a little bit bigger people what would you describe like what does that mean in relation to like what i would call or like you know the average person would be considered as bigger you know like how does that make sense
0: i mean you're trying to like set a profile for someone.
2: No, I'm just wondering like, you know, cause people hear a little bit bigger and they think like plus size model or, or yeah. overweight, you know, versus what you would consider someone in dance. To I've,
0: I've seen all shapes and sizes do hip hop and tap okay. and even contemporary and stuff these days. There's actually a girl on Instagram I follow and she is not small by any means, but she's a fantastic contemporary dancer, beautiful technique. And it just goes to show like it has nothing to do with your body. Yeah. It's how you feel with your body.
1: I was wondering too, um, with, I know you said uh, kind of society has driven a little bit of the changes that we see in dance with hip hop. And if I say anything wrong, please correct me because I know nothing about dance um i believe like the the uh outfits the costumes whatever they're technically called are a little bit looser so from an aesthetic standpoint somebody could get away i mean this is all about body acceptance so i don't want to use that term get away with being a little bit bigger but i think that would be at least the old mentality is that Does that kind of sound like that's along the right lines?
0: Yeah, that's definitely part of it. I mean, there's definitely, you still have like your rap videos where you have the girls that barely have any clothes Mm -hmm. on and they're doing some variation of hip hop. But like, but yeah, I mean, just the general acceptance of hip hop. Hip hop is all about movement. No one cares what you look like physically. It's like, can you move? And most of the time, yes, those people kill it. And that's the first thing that I noticed with someone with like, hip hop and tap like it's all about you feeling the music and you feeling the movement and when you clearly see that someone is enjoying themselves and they're a fantastic dancer nothing else matters whereas like ballet when you look at that type of stuff like it's very technical um, it's all about the aesthetics. it's all about the li- you'll, hear, you'll hear people say like oh the lines on her like mm. it's just how everything comes together that's a very visually pleasing performance yeah.
2: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So the more technical styles of dance would be, have like a stronger judgment to them as far as how you perceive the dancers, I guess. You could, you could
0: say that. Um, but I also don't want to downplay like hip hop definitely has technique to it as well.
2: I bit more about the, from the aesthetic stand, like judging the person, the dancer. The style. Yeah. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah.
2: So, um,
1: When it comes to body acceptance um, of course, it seems like everybody has a little bit ways to go. I mean, societal pressure is immense. So everybody needs a little bit of help with body acceptance, no matter where they're at. What was kind of the first clue to you that uh, what you were doing, whether it was ballet or CrossFit or anything like that might not have been
0: the healthiest approach? I would say like, I pretty much knew the entire time, but I just didn't care because I wanted to be skinny. <laughs> gotcha. I People think I was pretty. <laughs> <Okay. Yeah. laughs> I knew the whole time what I was doing. Um, but I think so for me, you know, a lot of that goes with confidence, right? Like um, it's just kind of common sense. The better you look, the more confident you're going to feel, but it, it we really need to promote the other way around. Like it at, some point like you're the way you're built you're never going to be a twig right and so you need to ultimately just be confident with the body that you were given you're never going to look like someone else and that's what I really struggle with is like I always compared myself to other people I'm like oh I want to look like that but I'm like I'm not built like that so I just have to be like the best version of myself and so I would say after college and I was an entirely different person back then than I am now I would say uh since I graduated college and actually since I started working and having like a lot of fulfillment with my job and really finding myself and my confidence with my job over the last six years made me who I am today oh.
2: is she frozen yeah your
1: video's frozen oh, and no. your audio is cutting in and out
2: yeah well oh yeah I we were both little. we were both frozen where <laughs> I was like is it everyone is it me okay yeah. <laughs> What about um, now. all right there your uh, video back your we'll audio a back. bit
1: oh well video froze okay. again yeah
0: oh no
2: um this is how it goes inner- yeah well it's fine it's this yeah. is very this is not for professionalism this is for yeah. because we want to oh okay oh. she's gone yep there she goes well <laughs> all right and that
1: concludes oh, this episode she, yeah. Well, she's back so maybe yeah. not
2: yeah
0: okay all right. Yeah. I don't know Except, what happened. It yeah, Zoom was- <laughs> kicked me off or the internet kicked me off. I don't know.
1: But um so you were saying you were uh it was you were talking about college and graduating and getting into your career. Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah. So uh yeah, I was tying all about that back to like confidence, right? So when I started working is when my confidence and my acceptance for myself like really started coming together, but back in college I was not a confident person at all. I let, you know, others vision of me dictate how I felt about myself. Um, so I was just not a very happy person in general. And I was just always, um, always just after like, how do I look better? How do I not gain weight? And it was just not a very healthy place to be. And so, um, I think when I moved away from that, and I also started really appreciating what my body could do for me physically. So after CrossFit, I got into Strongman for a couple of years. Um, That was really fun for me. And it was quite interesting because Strongman, you know, you have to weigh in and you have to watch your weight. And I was a little worried that I was going to fall back into, like, my old mindset and everything. But Strongman made me feel really good about myself because I could lift heavy shit. And it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually I can like, really, I really appreciated what my body could do for me. And so that was really cool for me to, like, reflect on myself and how I handled Strongman and saw that, like, wow, I've actually... Like come a long way in terms of my mindset, my body. So yeah,
1: that's awesome. So how old were you when all of this started? I know you said you grew up with a little bit of um, some issues that that developed this at home. Mm
2: -hmm. So um,
1: of course, body acceptance is a lifelong battle. But kind of really when it really set in, how old were you? If you don't mind me asking.
0: Yeah. um, Honestly, as long as I can remember, like in and my memory's terrible, but I would get flashbacks of like, when was that? When I was in Montana, it's like fifth, sixth grade. Every night before I got in the shower, I would stare at my body in the mirror for like thir- at least 30 minutes and different angles and just criticize what I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and that definitely culminated when I was, I believe I was 13 or 14. So in middle school, um, I like tried out bulimia for a little bit. <laughs> um, and I say tried because I'd, I really don't know how girls do that long term because it was really hard to do it the few times that I did. Um, but I tried it and actually got caught and had a, a stern talking to by my mother. And so that kind of stopped that. Um, yeah. but that just made me get very creative in other ways to handle yeah. food right so it was just like where I could skip meals I wouldn't eat or whatever but I would say when I went to college it was probably the craziest experimenting with like laxatives and just the the crazy eating schedule that I have there so well, yeah I mean it was it's pretty early so like preteen.
2: a lot of people don't realize so like laxatives and excessive exercise and things like that are bulimia like that is purge behavior so it, it's mm-hmm. binge purge is typically what bulimia is so like just because you aren't making yourself throw up does not mean you're not going under purge behaviors it you know it just means you're purging in a different manner you're ridding Correct. yourself of energy whether it's throwing it up or burning it off um, yeah you know eating a banana and working out for three hours is bulimic tendency so mm-hmm.
1: i don't think most people realize how prevalent eating disorders are bulimia
2: anorexia
1: or disordered eating. Disordered eating. eating. I mean, yeah,
2: it doesn't have to be a full bone. Yeah. I mean, it's like when, when people say, like, I think her dad truly was a narcissist based on what she's told me, but a lot of people call someone a narcissist and they mm-hmm. have narcissistic tendencies, you know? So I think it's important for people, if you're listening, to note that having disordered eating is not a eating disorder. You know, you you can have disordered patterns without having a full blown eating disorder. It's not saying that's better per se, but they are slightly different. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, and
1: and that's a really good point because so Anyway, I am going to cut that out, but <laughs> just yeah. a little bit of being yeah. able to relate there.
2: Yeah. Well, um it's interesting cuz like I mean Tony mentioned it and I think it's important to note like I we start to just call it confidence, but it's called self-confidence. You know, we we develop our self-esteem and our self-confidence from self, but we don't, we're supposed to. People tend to develop it based on what they perceive others think of them or what mm-hmm. they hope others think of them um, or plainly whether or not people want to date them, you know, and then they they have this negative self-reflection. And I, like, actually just posted recently, like, I lost over a hundred pounds and I had abs and I still thought I was a fat person. Cause I never handled that mental side of it. Like I was a fat person my whole life. I was morbidly obese. I lost all the weight and I still, the only thing I saw myself as I was never good enough for me. And unlike Tony, I had confidence even as, even when I was obese, I, I never even thought about it until I started getting shot down by people. I, you know, I didn't know. I clearly if they're not dating me, but they're dating my friend, it must be because I'm fat. And that's where that kind of stemmed from. Um, So my, my confidence was chopped down by others in high school. Um, But it just stuck with me because it was a very developmental time in my life. But like, you know, it was, it's weird to look back and be like, you know I was one hundred and eighty five pounds and pretty much shredded and i still I vividly remember thinking of myself as a fat person um, so i uh you know it it's just kind of tough to have that mentality at the time and then look back on it and be like, "Why was I so hard on myself and sometimes it's just age and getting past it and realizing there's much more to life than what I look like. You know, I'm not yeah. going to remember what I weighed when I was 26 years old. When I'm 40, I'm going to remember how much fun I had in my life and, and the good times and things like that. You know, not a number on the scale. So, yeah. yeah. You know,
0: it's, it is really sad. Like, I come across my old dance pictures and stuff when I remember I thought I was obese. And I look at them and I was a twig. And I was like, to imagine all of the hours that I wasted hating myself when I could have just appreciated it. God, mm-hmm. it's, it sucks. But um, it's one of those things, like I said, it's it's not dance or any of those activities that cause any of it. It's like, it, I mean, for me, it started at home and a lot of like deep seated issues. And I really wish that if someone had, you know, clearly people knew about it and that's when you need to like either go get some help about it or just stay close to that person about the topic or something to pull me out of that rut because it it lasted for years you know yeah yeah yeah. it's
1: that's I mean disordered eating and just every everything that encompasses body acceptance and feeling like you're not good enough that that's so hard to pull yourself out of so if you if and if you do see somebody who has disordered eating definitely if they if it's if they seem receptive to you bringing it up directly bring it up but if not just be supportive you know cuz kind of i don't have experience with this so if anybody like um as far as how to properly help somebody with an eating disorder but so um forgive me if i say something wrong my understanding might be a little bit like uh, depression where if you have somebody there, it's better than not having anybody there at all. And there is when somebody finally decides, Oh, maybe I need help. There's a hand to grab onto. So that's my perspective when saying, just be there for somebody if you see that they have an issue with that. So um, does that kind of sound like something that would be along the right lines?
0: Yeah, I, I do think so. And in my case too, with being in dance, um, I love dance like to this day I still I still dance when I can I, I try to go to dance studios um, I'm a huge silent disco fan you'll find me there once those <laughs> start back up again I'll be the first one out there <laughs> um, but what I wished would have happened was like my dance teacher was very much aware of my image issues as well and it's like I wish that someone would have mentored me from the dance world to let me know that it it is not all about the the body right like or she could have veered me into some other genre that wasn't as uptight about the body right because at the end of the day like you do need a certain physique for ballet like there's it's not coincidence that all of them look the same like it is kind of needed for that type of dance so um I just think like mentorship in those areas definitely goes a a long way Um, and I say that because like I said I still love dance I fully believe every little girl should go to dance classes I think it teaches it does teach confidence in the right with the right setting uh, with the right mentors it does it teaches coordination um, it teaches grace it teaches etiquette and manners too like I'm a huge proponent of dance um, but it's just you know if you know someone that has those issues I mean first of all they have to be receptive to help um, and if they are then absolutely it's it's you know either you help them or just really comment or recommend that they go see someone.
1: Yeah, and the thing about having mentors or just an authority figure in general that's there to help you with body image confidence or just let you know that, hey, those things don't mean as much as you think they mean. That's super important. If nothing else, it starts to chip away at your perspective on it. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: um, there was one day where I was, you know, freshman 15, go off to college, you start to gain weight. um, And uh, so there was one day where I was really stressed about that. I was like, you know what, I'm gaining so much weight. I'm getting really fat. And I was like, hold up let's take a second. So I actually took a second to shift uh, my thought process because I wanted to know how much of it was psychosomatic, if I'm using that term right, Uh, how much of it was a placebo effect. And instead of, you know, you're too fat, shift the thought process to uh, something kind of on the other spectrum, other side of it that I know I have difficulties with too. Well, you know what, you're too scrawny. You don't have You're not muscular enough. And so start at your baseline, you know, too fat, look at yourself in the mirror, see what you see, go away for 5, 10, 15 minutes, shift my perspective around, go back to the mirror. And what I actually saw in the mirror was totally different. Mm -hmm. Like instead of when I was in the mindset of, you know, I'm really fat, I need to lose weight. I saw myself as this huge, like, roundish bulbous kind of super obese person. And then when I switched it back, it was super thin. You look flat, like the body fat was still there, but it was the overall general shape that was different. And so I believe there's a term for that called body dysmorphia. I don't believe I have that because it wasn't on the extreme end, but your perspective does manipulate how you, how you see yourself. So having those mentors or somebody that can help you realize that, you know, it doesn't really matter or kind of get you grounded in a sense are, I mean, invaluable, absolutely invaluable.
2: Yeah. A couple things I want to weigh in on that. This, this whole, like, so my dad was a social worker and it's, it's very, so um, one thing I think everyone needs to be like to do is, is familiarize themselves with what's called the trans theoretical model, which is basically the stages of contemplation. Um, so if someone's not in the right stage of that model, basically if they're not determined or ready for action, there's almost nothing you can do for them. You cannot force them to contemplate. You cannot force them uh, to be ready for change. So knowing where they're at, if you try to push too hard when they're not in the right stage of change, you will, especially with eating disorders, push them into hiding it from you. You know, they will be resistant. You're not going to get the result you want. So it's, you know, making sure, you know, like you said that they're ready to see someone that you're not crossing a boundary because you don't want to like it being there is different than like overstepping your bounds. It's definitely one of those things where like you, um, you know, your body dysmorphia can absolutely affect your mindset and make you feel like, you know, you are not who you think you are, or you have this concept of yourself is totally different than how anybody else sees you because you hyper-focus and everybody does this. Everyone, like nobody is devoid of this. Um, despite having disordered eating or an eating disorder, I think almost everybody has some disordered level of eating. Even people that eat perfectly is disordered eating, but um, you know, you're going to hyper focus on the parts you don't like, you know, where someone else might be like, Oh my God, you're this, you're that, you look so good. And then all you see is no, I want to change this and a thing here. And you know, it's, it's very easy to hyper focus on things instead of taking a step back and looking at the picture as a whole. And especially looking at like, you know, Tony and I have both alluded to where you were before and where you're at now and how your mindset has changed, you know, maybe you are still unbelievably skinny and a twig, but you were 96 pounds two years ago and now you're pushing 115. you know, that's a huge progress, you know? So, I mean, it's, there's a lot of things like that that can help a lot as far as um, taking small victories and, and making sure you're in the right step or like step or preparation in the process of change um, before you, you know, push somebody or push yourself too hard yeah yeah Yeah,
0: I think I mean for me like I said I was the one that changed myself you know like I had to get over it I never had a mentor but I still think someone who understands and someone who can give you a different perspective I think perspectives are always great with whatever you're doing Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that's really valuable but but it all has to start with you like if you're not if you don't recognize that you need help, or you don't, Uh-oh. she
2: froze again. Pice is gone, so she's just oh, totally, yeah. she's totally frozen.
1: Oh, hello, I might be coming back.
0: Okay. All right, I'm back. See pipes, yeah, again. <laughs> I'm here.
2: This is um. fun.
0: <laughs> um, what was the last thing you got turned?
2: Um. About having a mentor who like uh, will listen and
0: oh offers perspective and yeah
2: perspective yeah yep.
0: so that's nice but it it has to come from you so it because you're the one that has to live with yourself like you're the one that has to change your own perspective because. I like I used to do all the time like it was nice when people complimented me but I, in my head I was like yeah right like yeah. something or like whatever I just didn't believe what they said and so now and you know I'm not totally cured there's definitely days where I wake up and I don't feel that great about myself and I think that's always I don't know you're ever going to get rid of those um those issues entirely uh but it's not like you sit there and obsess over them anymore like i i don't waste my time looking in the mirror every single time i pass by it and like scrutinize my body um at the end of the day there are bigger things that i'm concerned about so
1: (laughs) yeah yeah that's fair and so if somebody didn't have a a a mentor or somebody to even reach out to i mean like you said it does come from yourself what are some things that helped build that confidence and that self-esteem
0: Find something that gives you that confidence. Like I said, for me, I really didn't get it until I started working. And it's because I do my do- my job, like, damn well. And it makes me feel good about myself. And gotcha. I know that other people respect me. And it's, you know, you just need to find that one thing that you really, really enjoy. Because when you enjoy it, like, I only like, I joke around about this all the time. Like, I only like to do things I'm good at. Because those are the things I enjoy. I don't like doing things I am terrible at. I don't like making a fool of myself. And like, when you do those things that you automatically, you get like a rush of happiness or confidence, like whatever you want to call it, and you just feel good. So you need to surround yourself with more of those things. And I think over time, anything you do over time becomes a habit. And I really think you can change your mindset that way.
1: Blair, do you have anything to add to it?
2: Yeah, I actually, um, so I have a little bit of a different approach to that too. Um, First, if you don't have a mentor in your life, you do ultimately likely have friends or someone that you talk to on a regular basis. And I tell people this all the time. I mean, I've even talked to Tony about it where people always have this aversion. Almost everybody has this aversion to sharing things with people that they care about because they don't want to burden or bother them. And you have to ask yourself when this person talks to me about their X, Y, Z, does it burden or bother me? And if the answer is no, then that's somebody you can absolutely turn back and talk to. And if you don't, if they don't make you feel that way, then that person is selfish because they are willing to shed their problems onto you, but not the other way around and listen. Um, And then I think it's also, I found a lot of uh, solace and, and, um, happiness and and you know improving my confidence by kind of asking myself who cares you know if i'm gonna go do this who cares if i'm the fat kid working out at the gym you know who cares if i go out like i used to hate dancing i like dancing but i never wanted to go do it because i thought i was embarrassing and then i finally just stopped caring like first off when you go out like you're almost never going to see these people again And if they are somebody you're gonna see again because you're like there with them or they're a friend or whatever, they don't care. You know, like they're not gonna judge you for it or make you feel bad for it. So, you know, feel comfortable being yourself in front of the people that care and quit worrying about the people who don't matter because they can only hurt you. Like maybe they'll give you a compliment. Maybe they'll like what you're doing or the energy you're putting out and you'll gain a friend, but at worst, they don't matter. So it's really important to just, not care what other people think about you i know that sounds easier said than done but it's really not like just stop like it does i mean they're not important to you they're insignificant and if they don't if they want to make fun of you they can be a wallflower and make fun of you behind your back you're never going to find out about it you know if they don't want to like you for being yourself fuck them just fuck them who cares i mean like uh, it's the sad great, truth but, yeah i mean great
0: place to practice not caring go to a silent disco right so. <laughs> nobody I mean, like, is now an unofficial ad for silent disco
1: yeah i had never even heard about that until tonight they're
2: oh they're so sweet jokes. man you'll yeah. be at a silent disco and like you'll obviously like somebody's shit will change to, cause it tells you what color by what station mm-hmm. they're on. So say there's like three or four stations and like one person will walk over and like, ch- like point to the color and they'll change. And then you'll see the whole room just like shift yeah. blue all of a sudden. <laughs> and you're like, Oh, blue's beaten down and everyone switches. Yeah. yeah it's it's funny. Yeah. Gotcha, um, gotcha. yeah. So there's always
0: like three stations. What's well, a professional talk here. So there's <laughs> <laughs> three stations. Three different genres of music it's usually like rap like uh like 90s hip-hop kind of rap and then there's like top 40 kind of hits and then the other one is like 80s or like sometimes there's a theme to the silent disco so i've seen like latin nights or something like that so that's usually the three and yeah each station's a different color and like you can just tell what the great stations are when like the whole room lights up a certain Mm -hmm. color and then Uh, it's great and then you take the headphones off and all you hear is feet shuffling
2: it's so great (laughs) oh yeah they're creepy when you first walk in and don't have your headset on like you're like what on earth yeah
1: (laughs) did i just join a cult yeah a 20 dollar cover charge
2: is in the okay
1: (laughs) yeah but um blair makes a good point with just not caring and i think he may have said this on one of our early episodes most people are too involved in their own lives to really care. So I know it's hard to not care because you care, but think about it this way. You're so involved in your life that something you care about on your own body, you assume everybody else cares about because you can't take that step outside of your own life. Everybody else is like that. So there, nobody's really looking at and scrutinizing your body. And just because
2: it's they're inside their own little world. So if that, if that helps, you just gave me a great, like I quote, I guess, I don't know. I'm going to, it's going to be an Instagram post coming up, but like, go for it. If people cared half as much about themselves as they do about what other people think of them or what they think other people think of them, you would be so much healthier and happier. Like people care too much about the wrong thing, which is perception, not self care. So if you just put that energy into yourself instead of worrying about other people's opinion, like your life would be forever different. You know, you'd be have less stress cause you don't give a shit about what that person thinks. You know, who cares that, I mean, you can ask Tony or, I mean, if you ever talk to my roommates. Oh, she's gone.
1: I, she just oh, froze and yep. blooped out.
2: <laughs> um, yeah. Her she can listen to this later. Yeah. Keep going. Um, so like, yeah, like I, I um, it's funny because like everyone, if the first time someone rides in a car with me, they they don't know what to do because like I get such road rage, I have such conniption fits with the car. <laughs> but I immediately, it's gone as soon as I cuss that person out and move on. Like I don't hold on to it. Like they're they're gone forever. I'm never gonna see that. I mean, it makes me feel better to yell at them, but I don't hold. I can't hold on to it because like it all it's doing is affecting me for the rest of the car ride as opposed to like okay, I cussed at them. Let's move. Like they're a fucking idiot. That's great. Move on. You know, but like your stress just starts to evap. Like I don't ever, I'm never stressed out really. I mean, sometimes, but it's very rare that I get real stressed out or overwhelmed because I just don't care. Like I care. I'm passionate about things. I'm not saying I don't like, I'm not apathetic, but like, well, you're I living just, in the moment. Yeah. I just really can't care about what, I mean, like that's I care the about thing. what my friends think about me because I love them, but
1: Yeah, I can give you another quote. Like cussing somebody out in road rage in the moment is your meditation.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's gone.
1: And I meditate a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So, I I keep having. I started writing things down because I was like, "Oh, hey, bring this up," but later, and I've run out of things. Did you have anything, Blair? Nah, Tony. I um this gonna be the what time are we at is this the first episode where we're not gonna reach an hour and 15 minutes i think by the time you cut down yeah
2: um you know but we've we've alluded to multiple times about um you know so i think it's important to just kind of start wrapping down with it is just because you are focused on body positivity and accepting yourself does not mean that you can't also desire change or want to be better. You know, um, Adele was very body positive, but still lost weight. You know, there's still a reason to be healthy, but also accept yourself for where you're at. You know, like you don't have to hate yourself because you wish you were lighter, leaner, heavier, more jacked, whatever it is the fact that you hate yourself one takes away from that progress, that stress, that's negative energy, but you know, it just, it's very important. Be positive, accept yourself, love yourself where you are and want to be better and want to change as long as it's for you. And I think Tony said it multiple times, like you have to do it for you, not because you want so-and-so to think you're hot or because you know, what's your face on, Instagram has abs, you know, that stuff is very, I mean, it's vain, but a lot of times people that have abs and look great and blah, 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 and post on Instagram have massive body image issues and bigorexia or body dysmorphia. and, And like, you don't see their eating disorders. They post their abs. You don't see their credit card debt. They post their trips, you know? So like quit diving into what people are showing you and then hating yourself for it you know, accept yourself, love yourself, be better, do better, desire change, but it's got to be all encompassing. And
0: This is why I hate social media though. These days, like I really have zero patience for it anymore, but it's even the body positivity stuff. You're still drawing attention to the body and it shouldn't be about the body. It should not like post an accomplishment, post something like something that you did that contributes to something, but who the frick cares if you're feeling yourself like don't post a goddamn selfie in a goddamn mirror. I don't care to see that on my feed. And again, even though you do feel good about yourself, you're still making it about your physical appearance and how your body looks. And that's not what it should be about. When I'm 90 years old, do you think I'm going to care what my body looks like?
2: (laughs) Well, yeah. And I mean, I think that's, I think that's a great point. Like, do you know how many times I've seen someone who's overweight post the, and it's so popular right now, uh how do you have a beach body or a bikini body? Step 1, go to the beach. Step 2, have a body. I've never seen someone who's not overweight or in shape post that. You are alienating people. You are not helping anybody by posting that. Like you yeah. it is not a positive post to be a super fit girl and put have a bikini, wear it, have a body because you're the people that don't look like you that you think you're helping look at that and say like, oh wow, I'm never going to look like her. So I couldn't post this picture. You know, like she's, like Tony said, you're still drawing attention to the body and not just the body, your body. It's a self, it's a vein. It's a veiled vanity post is what it is in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Like I
0: used to be a lot more active on social media and a lot of it was my strongman stuff, which again, that was like events and and uh, mm-hmm. like cool videos. But uh, occasionally I'd pop like a selfie in there, like some motivational thing and at the end of the day, I was just like after likes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I wanted my thing to get noticed, and that was not healthy either. So it's like I just yeah, I, I hate social media. Yeah. I'm I'm just on it for the dad jokes.
2: Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yep.
0: That's
1: that's fair. Um but yeah, uh Blair, that was a makes a good point about um just a lot of the people saying those types of things are not in positions like you wouldn't be a role model being somebody who's super skinny in a bikini saying you'll have a beach body if you're on the beach and put a bikini on like it's, it doesn't make you a role model and it, it probably doesn't help as much as you think it does. But Tony froze again. Tony. up <laughs> oh, there hey, we go. Bueller. you going to stick. <laughs> I've never had so many
0: issues with my internet
1: (laughs) (laughs) I almost said um is it gonna stick like noodles to the cabinet
0: Nice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) so that's got a backstory to it might as well tell because it's funny um in high school my fiance and I we were we were Making spaghetti, and she goes, "Hey, yeah, the best way to know if your spaghetti is done or not is you you grab it, you let it well let it cool off first. Don't burn yourself, guys. Uh, You grab it and you throw it up against the cabinets, and if it sticks, it's ready." (laughs) But she missed the cabinets, Mm. and it (laughs) almost hit her dad in the head, and landed in his drink. (laughs) Nice,
0: (laughs) nice, solid,
1: yeah, yeah, real solid. But yeah, that's um, but uh. When Blair was talking about um, you know, not really beating yourself up and being positive and all of this coming from within and reaching your goals, he mentioned it, but he didn't quite go fully into it. He said if, when you're saying things like degrading things about yourself, just self-loathing, it takes you farther away from your goals. So that's actually something called negative self-talk, which if you're doing nutrition counseling or counselors in general, they're going to steer you away from that because it's so damaging because it takes you away from your goals. So if you're somebody who finds yourself scrutinizing yourself in the mirror going, man, you know, I really need to lose fat here and here and here that's taking you farther away. And it's like, we like we've said, it's all about loving yourself in the moment. And as Blair said at the beginning, you're not going to remember how much you disliked your body if you're having fun. Go have a good time.
2: Yeah. And negative self-talk includes humor. Mm-hmm. A lot of times yeah. people use humor as a way to like disguise or to downplace negative self-talk. Mm-hmm. But, you know, oh, fat boy's hungry when you you know are in perfectly decent shape is negative self-talk and you might think it's, it's humorous, but it's damaging your, your mind, your subconscious mind does not understand humor. Um, You know, it's, it's very hard for people to kind of understand and digest that, but your net, your subconscious mind doesn't understand negatives. Like if you say don't eat cake, don't eat cake, don't eat cake, all your subconscious mind takes in is eat cake, eat cake, eat cake. So it doesn't understand humor. It doesn't understand, you know, it's important not to to realize how that's affecting your subconscious mind. Is uh what do you got there, Duke? Is that a pineapple? Fre- freaking Duke! This is um, episode number two. He's in, and yeah, episode Duke, number Duke, two, Duke's, the second Duke pineapple. Yeah, yeah. Duke, 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 can't help but get a little limelight. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's it's just don't even do it as a joke. Like, I mean, it's and I think it's even it's more so you don't know who's listening, you know? So when you're, you know, five, 10, 195 pounds and, uh, you know, few, you know, restrictive days away from having abs and think you could do better or leaner, that guy, you know, two benches down from you while you're joking with your friend at the gym who is obese and struggling with his weight, here's you call yourself fat. And then what does he think of himself? You know, like, I understand we said a lot, like, you know who the fuck cares about what people think of you, but you also kind of have to care about what how you speak and what you're saying affects the people around you. You know, I'm all for talking trash about people behind their backs where they can't hear me <laughs> behind their doors, you know, like 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 Perfect, like a, like, yes. a pro, like a proper human. You know, but like, like I'm not gonna go do it like in earshot. All right, I'm nice like that.
1: And mm-hmm. well, making jokes and saying things like that um, out loud, it's a little bit of a different issue too. So I'm a big proponent of you know your your specific situation or circumstance, be it negative or positive, shouldn't be compared to another person's circumstance. But if you're if you're doing negative self-talk out loud and somebody overhears it, what's really happening is the issue that you're having and partaking in is this negative self-talk. What the other person's seeing is your perception of their situation. So if you're 195 pounds saying that, you know, you're extremely fat because you don't have abs and then you have somebody who it weighs more than you do, they're going to like the, it is that idea of, well, if they think they're fat, what am I? Like you're just, you're putting that on them. And so Well, like I said, I'm not really for uh, comparing your situations. You're taking a totally different situation and projecting your viewpoint, your negative image of yourself and others by extension out into the world. And that's, that part's not really fair to other people. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Oh, sorry. (laughs) uh, Yeah. Can you guys still hear
1: me? Yes.
0: Okay. Um, (laughs) Okay. I can't tell you how many conversations I had like that growing up, whether it was friends. Uh, like, oh, you think about uh,
2: now, now you're cutting out. No.
0: Still?
1: Okay. It's hit or miss.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, my. <laughs> well, um, send it in
1: Morse code.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sign language oh no <laughs> well, um, the video
1: is cutting out too so oh, is
0: it crap yeah, okay never mind <laughs> <laughs> no I was gonna say um then I'd have to explain like I don't see you like that I see myself like that and it's a whole you hold yourself to higher standards than you hold other people and well I guess I hold other people to higher standards too but in that <laughs> sense with body <laughs> body wise <laughs> <laughs> In terms of body image though, like I, you know, I had a lot lot higher standards for myself than other people and I I think other people are beautiful, but yeah, those are really difficult conversations to manage cuz then like you're inadvertently making other people feel like crap about themselves too.
1: Yeah. And shit, just have fun. Just have a good ass time. Um <laughs> like <laughs> you know, you always, you always hear it when you're, when you're in junior high or early high school, people are telling you, you know, cherish high school. Cause it's going to be the best time of your life. And then you go off to college and they said, Oh, that's going to be the best time in your life. If you're not having the best time of your life right now, yes. what are you doing? What are you doing?
2: Yeah. I um, actually talked to one of my clients today um. Where I think it's interesting, and maybe this can just kind of be like a lead into the sign-offs um, because we're kind of winding yep. down,
1: but... Now we're um, reaching that hour and 15-minute mark. I, uh,
2: <laughs> it's funny how often people don't, they, they limit themselves on um, their emotional understanding. And what I mean by that is there's such a range of emotions where people will say they use what I call the cardinal directions of emotions, happy, sad, angry, you know, where if you're, Oh, we lost pipes again. Um, If you are elated, if you are um, fanatic, if you are, you know, entrenched with joy, people say happy, you know, if you are, you know morose depressed if you are you know sad like people just use one word to describe these broad emotions and the more you understand that elated and ecstatic are not the same type of happiness it helps you understand yourself and your emotional states better to and you can't do anything about your emotions you can process them and understand them but you can't change them um you can't control them you, that's, that's, that's how emotions work. You know, so understanding that, but really ultimately happy is an emotion and people think the point of life is to be happy, but the point of life is to feel joy in what you do. You know, if you lose somebody that you love close to you you know, and you only, the only point of life is to be happy and you're happy all the time, you show up to that person's funeral happy. And that's not an appropriate emotion for that situation. So being happy is not the point of life. Being joyous and feeling content with who you are, where you're at and having fun with whatever the situation is at hand and making the most of it is the point of life. So it's, you know, the sooner you can wrap your head around, like you don't get to be happy. It's great if you are and you should work towards it, but you're not owed that, you know, so, you know, find the joy in it, find, find the, the fun and the journey and really like, you know, live life a day at a time, live, live life one step at a time and just be, be in the moment.
1: Yeah. Um, that's actually, uh really nice coincidence there so i'm currently reading a book about uh, i don't know if you've heard of kundalini it's something in uh, eastern it's an eastern religious idea or spiritual idea but one of the things that i read about a couple of days ago it was talking about emotions like if you if you feel sad or you feel depressed you know just embrace it like just feel it and while you might not be happy about it bathe in the feeling because that is being human so it's kind of like on those lines like happy, sad ecstatic, fanatic I mean grieving depressed, just embrace where you're at and it'll be a night and day difference
2: Pipes you got a sign off? I can't top
0: either one of those so (laughs) okay (laughs) (laughs) well then shameless plug
2: go for it
1: it's yes. Yeah. hold up i don't think he can say shameless i told him he should do an ad or yeah you know, well i don't have any shame it. so shameless <laughs> very shameless
2: yeah um i don't have shame in most things so everything i do is shameless um so yeah nick uh brought it up earlier but um so my company the human element nutrition we are rolling out full force currently we have um we have three, actually four programs. One is designed for, um, athletes, whether they're retiring, developing, or, um, what we call free agents. So between seasons. Uh, so if you're an athlete and you stumble upon this, then you should call me. Um, but the main ones that we're, we're driving right now is the one-on-one counseling, which is, um, bi-weekly meetings and it's focused on nutrition education and emotional support. Um, you know, so it's going to be everything from understanding the facts of nutrition to, um, you know, diving into some of those things like cravings and understanding, you know, why your body works and why you treat yourself in certain ways. Um, and then we have a small group classes or corporate wellness kind of package, which we are conducting with like high end apartment complexes or businesses that want to help educate their. Uh, it's more um, lighthearted and fun for like employees and residents. Um, you know, so it's going to be more stuff on like fad diets and the truth behind them and things like that. And then we have, if you happen to be a gym owner of any sorts, we, especially CrossFit, um, we are working. So Florida actually just passed something called the Employment Opportunity and Some Bullshit Act where uh, basically trainers and any other asshole are allowed to give nutrition advice in Florida as long as that person doesn't have an underlying disease. Um, But basically, if you went to 10 different trainers, you would get 10 different nutrition advices. So the idea of this program is to help educate trainers and gym owners and coaches alike on how to give the best basic nutrition advice and really understand those, those core principles. Um, And we are actually working on having an official certification so that you can hang it up in your gym and offer, you know, as that, this is a credential, not credentialed, but certified um, educated group of trainers. Um, So if any of that interests you, you can reach me. Um, My email address is human element nutrition at gmail. That's really the best way to find me anywhere. My website is human Uh my handle on Instagram is the Human Element Nutrition. So um Yeah, that's uh that's what we got going on and what we got cooking. So uh, if you're interested, don't hesitate to reach out. There you go. And on my end, I got nothing. I'm
1: still in school. So <laughs> I have two exams this week. So if you got prayers, good karma thoughts energy whatever you believe in if you want to send those <laughs> my way like <laughs> let's see them so tony did you have anything to plug
0: no don't contact me please <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> tony loves talking to strangers hang on her number oh is yeah. <laughs> um, that's, no, the yeah.
1: that's the best that's the best way yeah. to sign this off so thank you for listening guys and we'll see you later <laughs>
0: all right